0: Today, an important encore presentation of Compassion Radio.
1: We had been informed this was going to happen, and we just reached out and said, okay, day of prayer and fasting, we can't provide them food, but we will provide them with all the water they need. We bought 10,000 bottles of mineral water, and it was just an amazing time. Praying for peace, protection, just lifting up their voices and their hearts to the Lord. It was just a beautiful sight.
0: Hi, Bram Thoria here with the latest from the front lines of faith, this time in South Asia. John Podiati is back for a brief update on the condition of the church there in Northeast India, a place that just happens to be at ground zero of one of the most deadly persecutions of Christians in the world today. At the same time, it's also the home of some of the most effective and worldwide mission outreach because of one important detail. Manipur, India is home to Bibles for the World, one of our longtime project partners and a ministry with truly global impact providing new printed copies of God's Word to believers in hundreds of countries. Anytime the church makes an appeal for copies of the Bible, for new believers in nations where the church is booming, you're likely to find John Podiati and his teams right in the middle of it, often leading the effort. It's quite clear the devil knows this and is directing his fire at these amazingly effective servant leaders. We'll get the latest from John today. Remember that replacing Bibles that were lost, stolen, burned, or destroyed in the current persecution is one of our most important projects, and I strongly encourage you to give the best gift you can so that we can help John get those Bibles off the presses and into the hands of believers currently on the run and worshiping in clandestine meetings throughout the jungles of Northeast India. I'll tell you how you can give later in the broadcast. Thanks for joining us today. Back with me for a very brief visit is John Podiati of Bibles for the World. John, I know you're in transit right now leaving India. Thank you for joining me just for a few minutes to get us an update on what's happening in Manipur and throughout the world that Bibles for the World serves. So welcome back.
1: Uh, thank you, Bram. Good to talk with you.
0: Yeah, it's been way too long. I've been praying for you every day, of course, and our Compassion Radio team has. You've had a, a rough row to hoe here. The entire summer into fall, there's been nothing but it seems like bad news coming out of the borderland areas around Manipur. Your people, many of the tribes that you've ministered to and brought the gospel to over the years have been on the run away from a mob in the cities. And Paul is pretty much under the control of the radical Hindus right now, I understand.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Fill me in on what you went back to do and how your family's doing there right now.
1: Well, we're doing okay. I mean, you know, our people are tough. We spend time with them. And we actually held some medical camps right in the border areas. We couldn't take the uh, medical team from the states into the state, but we could do some things on the border areas where there are relief camps for the internally displaced persons, the IDPs. And uh, had a wonderful time just being able to minister to them, awesome. treat them, treat their diseases, illnesses, different things that have come up over these seven and a half months of being driven out of their homes and, and out of their villages. And so that's been a wonderful experience um, to be able to actually just reach out with the love of Christ and, and touch so many lives.
0: And some very practical ways too. The people were not given warning and said evacuate or we're going to you know, kill you on spot. They just literally got gunned down in the streets and had to run. So they've left without their clothing, without food, without identification a lot of times. And as we talked about before, without their Bibles, I mean, their whole worship life as a community was just burned to the ground. So they have not had medicines, they've not had normal things to keep them alive. They've just been living off the land in the jungle with mm-hmm. villages that would be willing to bring them in and at least give them some some haven for a while. So what are the main issues medically and physically you've been seeing in the people that you served in those camps?
1: Well, there's uh, first off, there were just so many that fled from their homes without their medication, and so we've been just trying to keep them stocked up with whatever it is, heart medication, um, diabetes, insulin. Um, different things like that, and just keep them alive. We've got, our hospital's been running, providing free treatment, free medicines for the IDPs, uh, you know, since day one. Mm-hmm. So it's seven and a half months. It's just been going on. Good. We've also been providing food for the relief camps and for some of the frontline villages, things like that. And You know, there's no end. When you have 45,000 displaced persons come into your district, you know, it's just overwhelming. And they're in 108 different camps around the district. And then you go over into the bordering uh, states and there's just more relief camps, thousands more in those camps. It's just everywhere you turn, there's need. It has been literally overwhelming at times.
0: And you've been encouraging them as you were able to offer services through the medical camps to journey from wherever they are camped out in the woods to come to you to get um, a bracelet like you would at a hospital with identification, some kind of record to show that this person was served by you and do what you can in the time you got and then send them back to hopefully live for another day. This is not an easy thing to say goodbye to. I'm sure of that. How many people do you expect, John, are displaced now, especially amongst the, uh, the Christian tribes out in the outlying areas around Manipur?
1: Um, let's see. I'd say it's still 60, 65,000. It's a real floating number. You know, it's kind of like herding cats. They'll, right. they'll move. They'll try to find their relatives, different things like that. Some of them are, you know, in good health and are saying, hey, I'm going to try to find some work you know, in this area or go to another city, you know, we just kept meeting them different places. Those that have resettled with family, relatives, different things like that. It's still well over 60,000. We've been able to provide Bibles to to some of them. We had some stock, and so we gave priority to the pastors who, whose Bibles were left behind or burned, and uh, also to their church elders. And so, um, that's what we've been providing here out of our available stock and pretty much used up what we had. I'm really hoping we can get this next print run going mm. and get it out to the people. And that's what we've been really, really pushing for right now.
0: And that's one of our year-end projects ourselves to help fund some of that reprinting and preparing those Bibles for shipment to those outlying areas. I imagine you'll have your own mules, so to speak, that will be trying to find these camps and people that are hiding in the jungles and bring the Word of God back to them. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I have seen this in refugee camps around the world. When there are displaced Christian communities, you would think the last thing they would care about when things are so desperate is to try to organize or recombine yourself and have a church service. And yet, time after time, it seems like the very first thing that those who are under distress or under oppression will do and make a priority is to gather together to worship and praise God. And it seems almost counterintuitive to our sense of comfort, that we should be comfortable first in coming to a place and feeling safe in that. No, they, they do this under the, uh, the weightiness of unsafe conditions. And they do it because they truly believe that this is the eternal thing that will outlast any of these temporary circumstances. So what have you seen of the worship life of those Christians who have been displaced?
1: Well, what was amazing was in the northern part of the state, sort of north north uh, western part of the state in one area, they called together and they've got quite a number of uh, relief camps in that area and that's pretty close to one of the front lines and they called for an entire day of praying and fasting hmm. and and people were coming from the relief camps as well as from the villages all together to one large public ground hmm. and this was right at the end of november and we had uh, been informed this was going to happen and so we just reached out and said okay day of prayer and fasting we can't provide them food but we will provide them with all the water they need, and so we bought uh, ten thousand bottles of mineral water to provide for that event. And it was just an amazing time. I've seen some of the videos. I wasn't able to go myself, but I've seen some of the videos of that time. And just calling out to the Lord, you know, in this such a large crowd, and and just praying for peace, praying for protection. And, you know, just lifting up their voices and their hearts to the Lord together, it was just a beautiful sight. So we were able to bless uh, all the pastors that came to this event with Bibles in their language. And um, that's pretty much used up our stock. So that's what we're really pushing now and trying to get this together to, to be able to provide more scriptures. The requests just keep coming in from one part of the state i got a request for 1500 there's 1500 families that don't have their bibles in another part of the state 1200 families another part of the state 700 families and so even as we're trying to get a, a sense of where the needs are it's just the the number of bibles needed. it just keeps mounting up and so um, we're just praying god will provide for this so that people will have that you know they can find peace and comfort and and encouragement from god's word and it's just been an amazing time I and mean, we just today itself there was the burial they finally released the bodies out of the morgues mm. in infall the city All these, so 17 were buried that were from the northwestern part of the state and then today 87 were buried from my part of the state the southern part of the state so i've been watching it on facebook live and just you know weeping as you see the lies that have been just devastated the families and you know the impact of this it's just been it's just been i don't even know what to say but just devastating but finally you know here it is seven and a half months later at least they're able to see the mortal remains of their loved ones and they're able to put them to rest and commit them to the father and uh you know we're blessed that these people are especially you know they come from christian tribes that are being persecuted here by the uh, fanatic hindus so we're just glad that we know they're in the loving arms of their Savior. Yeah.
0: And to put some kind of tangible experience there or a date on the calendar to say we resolved this grief is important but it doesn't take away the impact that the loss of so many leaders and servants in the kingdom have when they leave us abruptly like that Mm -hmm. so we're praying for more people to be raised up to serve with you and beside you and to be trained by your people Mm -hmm. and to not just keep up the good fight but to live the good life the one that god intended for Mm -hmm. us Mm-hmm. Um, I know that when these groups of pastors get together, that because your deep history as a people have been as headhunters and have been chased out by every other people group they'd ever encountered throughout China and India, that when the gospel came to them, a light literally went on in their hearts so that they chose the way of peace. Mm-hmm. And they made an intentional choice. To say, we're well, turning our back on violence. So I know that when these pastors gather, they're not praying down God's judgment on their enemies. They're praying for the salvation of everybody and for God's peace to reign and rule. And what better time of year to be focusing on that than the Advent, that that would be revealed? Um, How do they handle the season of Advent in times like this?
1: Well, you know, because of the, the situation, still in a terrible crisis, they have announced that they don't want the traditional feasting. They don't want the traditional hymn singing late into the night. Sometimes it goes into the midnight mm-hmm. and beyond. And so they said, you know, we'll have the church services. But this has to be a more of a solemn type of celebration this year. And on top of that, we have to be on guard because, uh, you know, the information is coming through that they're planning attacks during this Christmas season, thinking that the Christians will be, you know, engaged in the Christmas celebration. And so we've seen and heard reports of of things gearing up for some kind of attack. Mm. And uh, I I was able to spend just three, four days right near the front line where our mission is headquartered. And so we're catching a lot of that. That was just hardly a week ago. So this is uh, what we're facing this Christmas is something that's going to be just really, really challenging, really tough. But uh, just praying that the Prince of Peace will prevail and in over this entire area, and restore peace and normalcy to the area. So just ask that all the listeners out there do join with us in prayer at this time.
0: Indeed. It sounds like you're heading for a very silent and holy night.
1: Yeah. And I do got to get going. Uh, they're calling my flight for boarding. How long are you back in the States for? Oh, we'll be back for a little while. Not quite sure right now. But, uh, you know, we'll be home for Christmas and New Year's and... We've got some board Zoom meetings and things in January, so be around for the month at least. Strong pull to come back here, that's for sure.
0: Okay, we're praying for you and the family for safety along the way in both directions, that God will be watching over your people while you're apart from them. Thank you, John, for carving out just a little bit of time with us to give us a quick update.
1: Yeah, thank you, Brian, for having me. Great to hear your voice talk with you and, and just thank you so much for your prayers for all of us. We
0: have a lot to unpack when you get back to the States. Yep. Godspeed. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye now. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help to continue doing just that. It's also easy to assume someone else will surely take up the challenge. Well, frankly, I can't count on someone else. I need to count on you. Would you take a moment today to seriously consider joining our vision team, providing Bibles to new believers in China, Burma, India, and Iran? I'm confident in you and the Lord's provision through you to make all these things possible. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at 1-800-868-2478. And you can send your gift by mail to P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California. Nine two eight seven seven. I look forward to how much we can do together to help John Podiati as he cares for the physical and spiritual needs of believers that are on the run from persecution, violence, and death in the jungles of Northeast India right now. And now, back to the program. So Sandy, in the last segment of our program, I had a brief discussion with John Podiati. We're talking about real persecution happening with real Christians right now Mm -hmm. in places that we actually have a vested interest in as a ministry Mm -hmm. and as friends.
2: It's amazing to me and a bit overwhelming to think about the number of Christians in the world that are being persecuted at this very moment. John always reminds me that the numbers are humans. Mm -hmm. The numbers are actual people. At this point in time, there's about 360 million professing Christians around the world that are being persecuted because of that claim. We see that intensely happening right now in Manipur, India.
0: When we say they're being persecuted because of, it's a very important clause. A lot of times, statistics that show up in things like the UN or in world databases talk about religious strife being ethnic in nature. Right. Now, the tribes that have turned to the gospel in Northeast India are not all of them, but all of the tribes that have accepted Jesus, living that lifestyle of peace and pursuant of the word of God, are very actively reaching out to their neighbors. One of the big crises that's happening in Northeast India is the Christians have been so effective at actually doing the things that Jesus said to do. They're living the great commandment. They're living a very missional life, and they're actually taking care of their brothers and sisters as citizens, whether or not they even accept the gospel. So it's not a proselytizing kind of forcing people into accepting a religion. Mm -hmm. They're doing what Jesus called us to do, regardless of how the response is. But that has caused a very, very strong response from high-level politicians in the Hindu majority in the central part of India, which is thousands of miles away from the violence that's taking place right now. But those people are sponsoring those who would create the strife. Mm -hmm. And that's not unusual with persecution around the world that would be some outside influence trying to...
2: Stir open. the pot. <laughs> yeah, stir
0: the pot and create a way for them to assume more power mm-hmm. in there or mm-hmm. impose themselves mm-hmm. as a controlling influence. Yes.
2: I love what John says that they are still worshiping God. They're calling for prayer. They're not just saying, come save us. They're saying, pray for us Mm -hmm. that we can be a light continually to this dark place, this place that is full of violence and injury for others. And it's not just the Christians that are getting the persecution here. They're getting the brunt of it for sure. But people that are marginalized in this area... A group that wants more power, that wants possession of the things that these other groups have, will start drumming up trouble that really aren't real issues.
0: They are definitely a manufactured crises the christians that are in the hill tribes which are predominantly christian now because of the efforts over the past hundred years from the tribes that Mm -hmm. accepted the gospel including the tribe that john badaian his father and grandfather came from Mm -hmm. they are not in control they are not the majority they are not in favor even with the national government but they have proven themselves to be good citizens Mm -hmm. and because of that they had an agreement with the central government that they would be able to administrate their own areas Mm The people that are accusing them of abusing power are the ones that are in the majority. So the people that live in the cities and control 90% of the economy of the state of Mantipur are claiming that the Hill tribes have all the favors, are getting all of the benefits, are claiming that they are unfairly abusing the system for their own benefit, and they want it, mm-hmm. that they should be the ones benefiting from it because they feel like they're the ones being persecuted, or at least they proclaim that. This is not an uncommon tactic across history for a majority that's trying to otherize a people group to claim that they're the ones that are actually the ones benefiting when they're the ones being persecuted. It's a a natural tendency to lie. Christians have faced this for a very long time. The other people groups that are not necessarily Christians yet are definitely guilty by association because their neighbors Mm -hmm. follow Christ. They're the ones putting up the schools, building the hospitals, doing economic development that are trying to help their neighbors enter into a new economy, a new way of living and not be stuck in abject poverty the rest of their lives.
2: When you get down to the nitty gritty, and I'm not saying there's logical reasoning, it to appear to be jealousy there's a, a huge deep enemy, yeah. resentment mm-hmm. and jealous spirit that wants what others have and doesn't want others to have it also. Mm-hmm. They want to grab it, can it, and poison the rest. And that's kind of what we see happening right now. The majority population is angry and jealous at the little things maybe that the minority population has and feels slighted. Mm-hmm. I find this true in my own life, that anytime I begin to think about what I don't have, It becomes very easy for me to resent others. And if we're not careful, we can easily fall into that trap and begin to other people. They've got this. I don't have this. I should get this. I deserve it more than they deserve it. As believers in Jesus, we have to guard so strongly against that tendency because Jesus says, give to others and love others, forgive, pray for those who persecute you. And that is exactly what John's telling us that these people in Manipur are doing.
0: He painted a beautiful picture of the pastors from the entire region gathering together in a clearing to have a prayer service. Mm -hmm. The prayer was for peace. And it was a day of prayer and fasting. They were following Jesus literally into the power because Jesus said, some things just don't change but through prayer and Mm -hmm. fasting. It's a mystery to me what that really means, but Jesus said it, denying yourself for a while, focusing on the things that are of heaven, of God's spirit, paying attention to the fact that your body may want to rebel. They may want to run and get a meal. it may want to step off and not focus. And yet Jesus said, there are certain things that just don't get breakthroughs unless we do these things. So they take it seriously. These people know that they are saved from things as bad or worse than what these people are doing to them now Mm -hmm. they have a compassion that really only comes from the heart of god because how could you stand in the middle of a field after your house and your church has been burned you're living off the land in the hills and you're praying for the peace of your enemies not just peace with them Mm. they want to see god triumph through these things and i think it comes down to the real meaning of blessed are the poor in spirit In their spirit, they know what poverty really is. And for those of us who know Jesus, the real poverty would be not having him. Mm -hmm. And if we can see that, we can see the other as needing that as much as we do, Mm -hmm. and that we want to give it. And when Jesus talks about giving, he always talks about giving at the least opportune time. Doing the thing for somebody else that is not convenient. In fact, gives to those who are ungrateful give to those who demand of you. In fact, if they sue you in court and take the cloak off your back, then give them your shirt too. Go the extra mile in your heart to see that person as someone that God is trying to reach.
2: I just was reminded of the story of the 10 lepers mm. that Jesus healed. They all run away to the temple to present themselves to the priests for the cleansing ceremony. And one turns around and says, thank you. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? of course, we don't know the answer to that other Mm -hmm. than they've probably gone off to the temple. Jesus didn't take back the miracle. No, He didn't take back the gift of healing that He had given those lepers. Even when we give a gift to someone who is not grateful or who doesn't express their gratitude to us, it's not okay for us to resent them. Mm. It's not okay for us to say, well, I should never have given. They don't appreciate it, so I just won't do that anymore. I won't give gifts like that anymore. That's not the heart of God. No, The heart of God is to give freely and to give with a generous spirit. That is what we're seeing happen in Manipur right now with these believers who are praying for their enemies and who are blessing their enemies and at every chance they get to bless them and to help them. And yes, they are running for their lives and they are hiding and they need to. But I bet you anything that if they had an opportunity to help serve some of these people who are part of the persecution they would do it in a heartbeat.
0: And they are doing it. Some of the most important outreach that Bibles for the World and the tribes that work with them have had is actually building churches and schools and sending people from the Hill Tribes to go into the cities to reach them. And these people are not welcoming. Mm. They feel like they're being assaulted by these hill tribes, and yet they still go and love and serve and run the daycare centers Mm -hmm. and offer things that nobody else will. Mm -hmm. They're doing that work. John and I talked months ago about how do you pray for those people that you're trying to reach that have turned on you? He knows of people, literal individuals that have killed people he knows Mm -hmm. that are the people they've been trying to reach. These are not easy for anybody. And yet God calls us to face that reality if it comes to us. Be willing to lay down our lives for those who don't care.
2: Honey, what can we do to help encourage and support these people that are living this nightmare?
0: Well, right now, John says... They're doing everything necessary to get the essentials to the leaders and pull them and ask them what they need and scrambling to find donors to help with specific things, medical, food. And as he said in our interview, he's agreeing with them that the call for this Christmas is to tone things down so they don't unnecessarily bring danger upon themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's a very somber approach to Advent and Christmas. They see Jesus as Emmanuel with them in this suffering. He's only asked for one thing for us, and that's something we've been involved with for years and years, which is provide Bibles for those who want it. Why? Because they're not giving up on Jesus. This is their Emmanuel moment. Yeah. Some of the Bibles we were distributing in China were coming because of some of the gifts sent by believers in Northeast India, mm. because God's Spirit was making it crystal clear in our own hearts that someone I may never meet in this life was asking for the same thing I have. So, the believers in Manipur that are currently without a copy of the Bible have already led us in this. They have shown the way. They've already given so that others around the world can have their own copy of the Word of God. And now their copies lay in ashes. So, John simply said, Our people don't have their Bibles anymore. Can you help?
2: Yeah.
0: So, friends, just give what you can this Christmas. And we will send what we can to John to make sure that as many Bibles as possible make it back into the hands of Christians who have already shown that they love others in Jesus and have given everything from their lives to see that others have that same gift they've received. Thanks for joining us today. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at 1-800-868-2478 and you can send your gift by mail to P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. I look forward to how much we can do together to help John Podiati as he cares for the physical and spiritual needs of believers that are on the run from persecution, violence, and death in the jungles of Northeast India right now.